Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan farmers continue to make good harvest progress according to this week's crop report. We'll hear from Mackenzie Ledoon, who is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. It's a canola disease that is moving east across the prairie, starting in Manitoba, and now gaining a foothold in eastern portions of Saskatchewan. It's called verticillium stripe, and we'll hear from Courtney Boyacek, who is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, based in western Manitoba. The Western Canadian Dairy Classic Show started Tuesday morning at Saskatoon's Prairie Land Park, and it will run through Saturday. We'll hear from Nancy Friesen from Drake, who is the Saskatchewan coordinator of the event, which is marking its 37th year. And week two of the harvest edition of GX94 Supper in the Field took us to the Corby and Nicole Koshman farm near Insinger last night. We'll hear from Corby and his brother Darby coming up on today's program. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. DX94 AgriView. The November canola contract rose above the $800 Canadian per metric ton mark for the first time in nearly a month during the week ended yesterday. However, it wasn't without some turbulence over the last two days of trading. On Tuesday, the November contract lost $13.40 per metric ton to close at $796 even, before gaining $10.50 the next day to break the $800 per metric ton psychological level again. Ken Ball, a trader with PI Financial Services in Winnipeg, says that in relative terms, canola is far too cheap and the oilseed is taking its cues from soy oil. Another factor which may affect canola prices in the coming days is Statistics Canada's principal field crop supply and demand estimates, which will be released on August 29th. The report will have the first model-based production numbers of the 2023-24 marketing year, but Ball is already skeptical on whether or not the figures will reflect the true production numbers. Prices at the Chicago Board of Trade could increase if there's heat damage to the United States corn and soybean crops. That's according to Tom Lilia of Progressive Ag in Fargo, North Dakota. During the week of August 21st to 25th, 
A heat dome formed over much of the U.S. Midwest, with temperatures pushing towards or exceeding 40 degrees Celsius. Added to that was a sharp drop in chances for rainfall to bring much-needed moisture to the region's crops. Lilia says it's currently quite difficult to determine the extent of any heat damage to either crop at this time. He notes soybean acres for 2023-24 were already lower than last year, with the strong likelihood of reduced production and supply. Any damage from the heat dome would intensify the market's reaction. Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley has announced the creation of a new living lab in Prince Edward Island. Led by the East Prince Agri-Environment Association, this living lab project represents an investment of up to $4.5 million over five years from the federal government under the Agricultural Climate Solutions Living Labs program. This living lab aims to accelerate the sector's response to climate change by bringing together producers and scientists, among others, to co-develop, test and evaluate on-farm beneficial management practices, or BMPs, on multiple sites across the province. These BMPs, featuring the addition of kelp in diets of cattle, rotational grazing, hedgerows, edge-of-field wetlands, and more, will help store carbon and reduce greenhouse gas emissions on island farms. In collaboration with partner organizations within the Living Lab, the East Prince Agri-Environment Association will also encourage knowledge transfer and exchange between local producers, producer associations, federal and provincial researchers, indigenous groups, and other sector stakeholders. A pig has survived the wildfire devastation around a ranch in West Kelowna, B.C., thanks in part to a helicopter airdrop of granola bars. The ranch was engulfed in flames last Thursday, but Pumbaa the pig is roaming on the last patch of grass cared for by firefighters. Karimia Lori, whose parents own the property, calls it a miracle that Pumbaa survived. She says her father had tried to load Pumbaa and her sister pig, Miss Wilbur, for evacuation as flames advanced on the property last week, but the creatures were too stubborn and he had to flee without them. Miss Wilbur was found dead on Monday. Norway is rebuilding a dilapidated reindeer fence along its border with Russia in the Arctic to stop the animals from wandering into the neighboring country. Their costly strolls for which Oslo has to compensate Moscow over loss of grassland. Norwegian officials say that so far this year, 42 reindeer have crossed into Russia seeking better pastures and grazing land. The Norwegian Agriculture Agency says that a stretch of about 7 kilometers or 4 miles between two towns will be replaced. The construction is to be completed by October 1st. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 25 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan farmers continue to make good harvest progress according to this week's crop report. 
Mackenzie Ladoon is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The producers continued to make fantastic progress harvesting the crops this past week. Scattered rain helped with moisture levels as well as systems moved through the province. And Saskatchewan is now 21% completed harvest, ahead of the 5-year average of 14% and the 10-year average of 11%. She notes some areas are further along than others. The southwest continues to lead the province in harvest progress, with 38% of the crop harvested. This is followed by the west central region, which has 27% harvested. The northwest has received some numerous moisture showers that move through the area these past couple weeks, and as a result, there are only 4% completed harvest while they wait for those crops to dry up. The east-central region stands at 12% complete, ahead of the five-year average of 9%. Ladoon tells us which crops are being taken off right now. Harvest progress really advanced in all crops this past week, and fall cereals continue to lead the crops being harvested, with 89% of fall rye and 74% of winter wheat crops harvested for the year. Field peas and lentils continue to be the lead in spring-seeded crops and harvest, where 66% of field peas and 60% of lentils are harvested. Barley leads the spring cereals as well, with 30% of the crop in the bin for the year. With 27% of the crop in the bin, mustard leads the oil seeds to harvest progress ahead of canola and flax. She says some areas of the province received significant amounts of rain last week. So all of our crop districts did receive some rain as scattered moisture moved through the province again this past week. The most rain reported was 59 millimeters in the Barthel area, and the Capri area in the southwest also received some significant moisture, with 52 millimeters being reported. The scattered showers resulted in an increase in topsoil moisture across the province, where 32% of cropland has adequate moisture, 41% is short, and 27% is very short. In hay and pastures, 24% has adequate moisture, 42% is short, and 34% is very short. Ladoon outlines pasture conditions across the province. The pasture conditions in the province have improved with the recent moisture. 12% of pastures are in good condition now, 29% are fair, 40% are poor, and 19% are very poor. 9% of forage acres did not get cut or baled this year. On a provincial scale, this is due to those dry conditions or possible localized flooding. She notes there was some crop damage reported as well. Crop damage this past week was mostly due to wind, localized flooding, drought, grasshoppers and gophers. Producers are also noting that aster yellows are in the crops this past week as they get into the fields to harvest. Producers are busy this week desiccating crops to encourage dry down and monitoring moisture levels. Many are also busy hauling water for their animals and moving livestock. Ladoon adds that with harvest underway, safety should always be top of mind. Absolutely. Everyone should be kept safe and sound this harvest season, and harvest is a very busy time and stressful time for our producers, and they are reminded to take those safety precautions. This includes having those fire mitigation resources at the ready, such as those water tankers, diskers, and blowing off the combine at the end of the night. Producers are also reminded to take those extra safety precautions when they're working around power lines. If they feel the need to, the farm stress line is available to our producers, and they're welcome to call whenever. As a general reminder for the public, they're reminded to use the extra caution when encountering farming machinery on the roads and to give extra time and space to make sure everyone stays safe. Mackenzie Ladoon compiles the weekly crop report for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 180.72, that's up 205. December live cattle closed at 184.52, up 160. 
September feeder cattle closed at 250.75. That's up 217. October feeder cattle closed at 253.25, up 237. October lean hogs closed at 80.47, up 192. December lean hogs closed at 71.90, up 85. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of August 23rd. Just a regular sale this week with a good number of cows showing up. 400 cows and bulls, over 300 feeders, a handful of cow-cat pairs, a total of 720 for the day. This cow and bull market, they're selling quite well right now. D1, D2 cows, 138 to 148, sales to 154 to 155. D3 cows, 128 to 138. Older type, weaker, thinner cows, blemished cows, 85 to a dollar. Cows are averaging a dollar forty. From our Yorkton area here, we had some big Charlie cows, 1,650-pound cows, topped out at 155.75. Good bulls, 155 to 165, sales to 178, 179. Bulls are averaging 166. From that good Wishart area, 2,000-pound bulls topped out at 180. If you got some some of these cow, cows and bulls, this would be the time to move them. Would be a wise move. This feeder market is surprising. Three to four hundred pound steers, four fifty to four eighty. Four to five hundred pound steers, three eighty to four fifty. Five to six hundred pound steers, three thirty five to four dollars. Six to seven, three thirty five to three eighty five. Seven to eight hundred pound steers, three thirty to three sixty. And eight to nine hundred pound steers, three twenty to three twenty four. Five to six hundred pound heifers, two ninety to three thirty. Six to sevens, two eighty five to three thirty five. Seven to eight hundred pound heifers, two sixty to three o four. And eight to nine hundred pound heifers, two ninety to three o four. Here are some highlights from that good Foam Lake area. These are calves right off the cow. Six hundred pound steer calves, three eighty three. Seven hundred pound steer calves at three fifty nine. And the heifer calves, seven hundred pound heifer calves at two eighty. A job well done to you, Karen, and your family. We had some uh, uh, yearlings from the Wapella area here. 710-pound yearling steers topped out at 360, and 875-pound yearling steers, they topped out at 324. A job well done there. Uh, also, uh, next week, August the 30th, we have a pre-sort sale for all classes of cattle starting Monday and Tuesday from 8 to 4. We have uh, 1,500 heads consigned so far. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. And it's time now to check in once again with Danny Ismond. one 453 So over the years, this is the 28th Foam Lake Recreation Combine Lotto. There has been six combines taken over the years. Could this be seven? I mean, you, you take a look at what $300,000 towards the purchase of a combine might help you out. So maybe that's the, the thing you're really looking at, saying, you know what, this harvest, I want to add a combine to the farm. I would love to maybe upgrade a combine to the farm. You can do that with a $100 call right now. Can you imagine on Saturday, all of a sudden, that just changes the whole operation, doesn't it? Well, if you don't need it, though, that's why they have the cash option. That's why the $230,000 is there. You don't need a combine? They understand that. Not everybody does. 
Everybody could use cash, though. And that's one of the draws. We have 25 more draws of $1,000 each. The 50-50 is over $96,000 already, and that's your pocket. That's what you put in right now to yourself. You don't have to split that in half. It's over $192,000 actually total. Call 1-888-453-1998 to get yourself that ticket. 1-888-453-1998. It's 1-888-453-1998. And good luck to you. Foam Lake Recreation Combine Lotto. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board again today. November canola closed at 809.90. Up three dollars forty cents. January canola closed at eight sixteen ninety. Up three dollars sixty cents. September Minneapolis wheat closed at seven seventy four and three quarters, down nine and three quarters of a cent. September Kansas City wheat closed at seven fifty three per bushel, down two cents. September Chicago wheat. Closed at 6.04 per bushel, down eight and a half cents. September corn closed at 4.72 and a quarter, down four cents. September soybeans closed at 13.65 and three quarters, that's up six and a quarter cents. September oats closed at 4.66 per bushel, that's up 21 and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Well, it's a canola disease that is moving east across the prairies, starting in Manitoba and now gaining a foothold in eastern portions of Saskatchewan. The ideal time to scout for verticillium stripe is at harvest when symptoms are most obvious. Verticillium stripe is also similar in appearance to two other well-known canola diseases, blackleg and sclerotinia stem rot. Courtney Boyacek is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada based in western Manitoba. So we typically start to see symptoms kind of around 60% seed color change. So for some parts of the province, you would start seeing it now. For other parts that are a little bit later, maybe not. Last year in 2022, we saw a lot of verticillium along the Manitoba and Saskatchewan border. um, And it is creeping its way west. Not to say that it wasn't in western Saskatchewan, because it probably was. We just didn't uh, find it in the disease survey. She explains how you tell it apart from sclerotinia. Verticillium and sclerotinia do have a few similarities. The main thing that we're looking for with verticillium is that when you're taking a cross-section of the plant, so you're cutting the plant right at the root, kind of almost at soil level, when you're looking inside, it should see kind of like a grayish hue, kind of in a starburst pattern. That's a pretty distinct feature of verticillium, which you're not going to see with sclerotinia. The other thing, too, is that like sclerotinia, verticillium, the stem tissue will kind of strip away like wallpaper, except underneath when where that tissues being stripped away, you're going to see microsclerotia, which looks like someone took a pepper shaker to the inside of a canola plant. And that's, that's the sexual body of verticillium, and that's what germinates in the soil every year. So that's kind of how we would differentiate between sclerotinia and verticillium, is seeing that microsclerotia in the stem. 
Boyacek says verticillium stripe can sometimes get mixed up with lodging in canola. Lodging can be caused by a lot of different things, weather, your fertility. But one of the things that verticillium does is that verticillium, as the sclerotia move up the stem tissue, it cuts off the water and nutrient supply. So half of the plant will be dying and half of the plant will still be thriving. And oftentimes, you know, if there's any sort of weather event and half of that plant is already dead, it's easier for it to fall over. So verticillium will be a factor in lodging. It won't be the only factor when it comes to lodging, but it certainly doesn't help. She says it's possible to have sclerotinia, black leg and verticillium stripe all in one field. Absolutely. Verticillium and black leg are really found hand in hand, or at least that's what we saw last year. So definitely knowing the difference between the three major diseases is going to be key when, when we're talking with agronomists, when agronomists talking to producers about, you know, what we're going to do next year from a control standpoint. But absolutely, you can see all three in one field. If that's the case, if you think that you're seeing a few different things going on, I highly encourage producers to send samples off for testing. They can do so at the PSI lab in Manitoba, the Discovery Lab, or the 2020 Seas Lab, just to confirm what exactly you're seeing in the field. But Boyacek can't outline the potential yield losses from verticillium stripe. That's something that's still unknown to us. We're working on that with researchers. We're not 100% sure yet. She tells us how long verticillium stripe has been in Manitoba. We found it uh, in 2015, just south of Winnipeg. It was there, but it wasn't really causing any major damage. And then kind of in 2019, 2020 is when things, when verticillium really started to move a little bit. We started to see it more in the fields and when we started to you know, do a little bit more research on it. Boyacek says the disease has been found in other countries as well. Yeah, so it's been found in Europe as early as the 90s uh, in various countries over there, mainly in their rapeseed crops. She explains what farmers can do to help get rid of verticillium stripe in their fields. Yeah, so as of right now, there's no, um, you know, seed treatments or fungicides that can help deal with it. We also don't have genetic resistance to combat verticillium. So we're really looking at um, best management practices like equipment sanitization. Verticillium is a soil-borne disease, so we want to make sure that we're not moving it from field to field. So just, you know, hosing off equipment or even, you know, kicking dirt off the truck tires and and equipment uh, before we're moving field to field. Um, In years where we don't have canola in that field, making sure that we're getting control of our host weeds, which is wild mustard, volunteer canola. And then, of course, our rotation is going to be key in breaking up that disease cycle. So we're recommending um, a three-year rotation in between canola crops just to make sure that we're not giving verticillium anywhere to go. We're not giving it a host to continue to spread. Boyacek then tells us how to scout for verticillium stripe during harvest. So if you're going in, let's say, before harvest to check for swath timing, you can see verticillium developing at about you know anywhere between 30 to 60% seed color change. So if you're going to go out before you swath, definitely be walking into the field in your W pattern, making sure that you're clipping canola stalks at ground level, looking at that cross section, looking for the starburst pattern. Uh, it'll be different from black leg in that black leg is more of a distinct black wedge in the 
uh, in the cross section and verticillium, more of that starburst pattern. And if you're going out maybe after you've swathed or post harvest, you're still going to be looking for that cross section if the if you get out soon enough. Um, you're also going to be looking for microsclerotia in the stem, like that peppering. Um, you're also going to be looking for shredding of the uh, epidermis, the the stem tissue. And yeah, that's that's really what you're looking for. Courtney Boyachek is a Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist based in western Manitoba, and she's talking about the importance of checking for verticillium stripe in canola. Please stay tuned. We'll hear from our GX94 Supper in the Field winners right after these messages. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. And week two of the harvest edition of GX94 Supper in the Field took us to the Corby and Nicole Koshman farm near Insinger last night. After supper, I spoke with Corby and his brother, Darby, about their farm. We've been farming since about 2013. And then in 2019, we took over mom and dad's land and and we've been farming since then. So. How much land do you farm? We're, we're right at 6,000 acres or so. And what did you seed this year? See, canola, wheat, and barley. Have you started harvest yet? We just took a couple hundred acres off. So just getting the, the everything worked out, so. And what did you take off? We took off some barley. And how was it running? Okay, so far, I guess it's pretty early to tell what, what everything's gonna do, so. Okay. And do you have any livestock or anything like that, or just straight grain? Yeah, just straight grain. And when it comes to uh, where do you haul your, your crops when it comes to the end of the year? Pretty much everything goes to Yorkton. LDC, we do some with Richardson, uh, grain millers when we grow oats. Am I missing anything? And then just the local hog barn, you should yeah. get some of our feed, feed wheat and feed barley. And uh, so tell me a little bit about the fact that you won supper in the field. Have you been trying to enter for a long time? Yeah, every, is it Monday night? It's throwing the text out and yeah, finally got through. So it's been good. And what did you think when I called you to tell you that you'd won? Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. So <laughs> I was on my way out to the farm when you called. So it caught me off by surprise. I was going to say you sounded kind of like you weren't too sure, like maybe it was a crank call or something, or, or what? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought, so. Good. And what did you think of the supper and all the, uh, all everything that went with it? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, lots of prizes, and it was more than I was expecting, so, no, it, it was good. And you would recommend to other people to maybe enter next week? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's It was a good time, so. And anything else that you wanted to add, Darby? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're thankful for this, and it's nice to get out, and... We're not in the field, unfortunately, but I mean, this is a good second place, I guess. So it was, it was real well, it, well done and good food and everything was, was done well. And a good chance to get together with some friends and family uh, before harvest really gets underway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have a good, good group of neighbors here and they all showed up and it's nice to socialize with them every once in a while. That's Corby and Darby Koshman from the Insinger district. Our sponsors for GX94 Supper in the Field are Maple Ag and Outdoor, Farm Credit Canada, Milligan Bio, Gowan Canada, Sask Milk, Jump.ca, LDC, Smith Steel, Minute Muffler and Brake, Yorkton Auction Centre, the Saskatchewan Institute of Agrologists, the Chalet Restaurant, 
and Razor Cellar at the Yorkton Hotel. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 30% chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms. Winds west at 15 to 25 and a high of 25 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy with a 20% chance of isolated showers. Winds north at 10 to 20 and a low of 10. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds north-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 21, an overnight low of 9. For Saturday, mainly sunny, a south wind at 15 to 30 kilometers per hour, a high of 24. For Sunday, partly sunny with a 30% chance of isolated showers, also a high of 24. And for Monday, mainly sunny, a high of 25. In the Paw, it's 17 degrees, Swan River 21, Dauphin 26, Brandon Show Lake Russell 25, Roblin 22. Regina is at 23 degrees, Saskatoon, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 20, Hudson Bay 17, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head 24. The Yorkton, Melville region has a sunny sky. A west wind at 18 kilometers an hour. 38% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 25 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.